Welcome to the watering hole. I'm Bara'a. And I'm Breda. And today we're coming at you with a perhaps a little bit of an emotional episode, one that we've been thinking about, and um, I think Breda might have be thinking about it kind of a little bit more than I. And we wanted to share some reflections about the uh, Sri Lanka Easter bombings that happened Easter weekend, which now we are about three weeks uh, away from. And I think that one of the things that first came to mind when I heard about these events was to message Buraida and to message Sasha and be like, hey, you guys okay? What's up? What's happening? And uh, I think that I wanted to take the kind of time and we wanted to take the time, the episode, to kind of think through what happened and speak to someone who actually knows that space and knows those places, which is very rare. I mean, frequently when this kind of stuff happens, the media is like, speak to everyone but people from that country. So how did you feel when you first heard, or I guess, how did you, when did you first hear about it? I first heard about it. I woke up in the morning for, I was doing some work in the morning and I opened up Facebook right before I was going to start work. And then I saw a post from somebody in Ottawa who had just shared this thing, suicide bombings kill however many in uh, Sri Lanka Easter attacks or in churches. And what, what resonated for me was now, one of the places that, was, that were hit was this place called um, uh, Cinnamon Grand Hotel, which is a place that my family and I frequent. It's basically, you see, people, we go for, it's like a nice hotel. You go for coffee or high tea or whatever. And my mom was there. It turns out she was, she, she was just there and she was supposed to leave sometime that weekend. And I didn't know which day exactly she was supposed to leave. So I was like, and I had to go, I, I had to be at work. So I, I, was, I was like, okay. I just basically just try and call anybody as soon as I could. Uh, I called my mom and she picked up and she was in Thailand. She had just arrived. Uh, so she had left the night before it happened, basically, I think Saturday night. So that was a great relief of, of mine. And then I called my cousins and they said that everybody's fine, but they were just really, really, really distraught and really worried. And obviously, we've talked about this a bunch of times before, but, you know, that feeling was like, oh, I hope it's not a Muslim. I hope it's not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not a Muslim, uh, which is kind of a selfish thing to say in, in the fact, but that's that's the reality of it. That's how that's how the world is right now. So, yeah, I was like, this is horrible. I, I hope it's not a Muslim. Of course, it turns out to be, unfortunately, quote unquote, Muslims uh, who did this and as I'm just reading about stories about it and the details that follow, uh, I'm getting, like, I didn't realize, I'm like, oh my God, this is my country. And then people started messaging me saying, oh, yo, is your family okay? Uh, are your friends okay? At some extent, I was like, I'm not sure yet. Right. But I, but for, for the most part, yes, I do know everybody's okay so far. My family and friends are okay and their families are okay. So it was, it was very surreal. After that morning, it was sort of just replying to people and... Uh, just uh, hearing more of the story as as it went on. And then it was talking about, and then once we heard about it, it was at who, who did it and how many people had died. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the repercussions that were going to come from this and the consequences that were going to come from this. And then basically having some very, very, very serious and very sad conversations with some of my close Sri Lankan friends about how this is going to play out mm-hmm. uh, with Sri Lanka because there's a it was a heated political climate at that time. Uh, yeah, so we'll maybe talk maybe talk about that a bit later. Yeah, but I'm gonna catch people up 
um, who are listening and might not know all the details. So this happened on April 21st, uh, which was Easter Sunday, in three different Christian churches in Sri Lanka and some hotels, three hotels in the capital, which is Colombo, were targeted by uh, terrorist suicide bombings, and they were orchestrated. So I think they happened around the same time. Yeah, so I think... not exactly at the same time. Yeah, so I think eight... I'm, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but some something like 8.45, all the church bombs went off, and then mm. 9.15, I think all the hotel bombs went off. Yeah, and then you had... So there was about 253 casualties, so 253 people there's, were... Um, no, there's more. There's more than that? 300 and... 360, I want to say. Okay. Total. With about 500 people injured. And there was all sorts of nationalities. So obviously predominantly folks from Sri Lanka. Um, but there were also some some people from all over the world who were who died or were injured. I mean, I mean, of course, like it's devastating for a lot of people, especially people who have an emotional connection. But I think that one of the things that was really heartbreaking for me was to just see, like, it's very easy to just have, like, like the death counts feel like they're going up, you know, mm-hmm. and you had, like, the church, the Christchurch uh, shooting, you, we, I think that's at 51 now. And then only a few weeks after, you have something like this, which is obviously just a way bigger scale, but you're just like, there is, it's con- it's constant. Like this kind of, the, these acts of terrorism are just kind of constant and it feels like you never have a break. Well, yeah. That. So that was one of the scary things was that I read an article on Al Jazeera article, actually, in which was, uh, which I think one of the political leaders in Sri Lanka was saying that these are responses, these are ISIS claimed responses to the Christchurch right, yeah. uh, shootings, mm-hmm. which really got me really worried. Right. Because in that case, and the Christchurch shootings was a response to, uh, I think, this. Uh, it well, was, he was uh, saying like migration yeah. and stuff, right? No, but, and, and in response, and like, you know, taking justice into his own hands right. for, uh, as uh, the Quebec City person did right. with, with, yeah, with the mosque yeah, shooting yeah. here. And then if if this is mm-hmm. a spillover from that, right. and this is 360 people, so 51, so so in, in the Quebec City, yeah, I'm six, not sure, <clears throat> six, deaths. Six, six deaths, Christchurch, 51, Sri Lanka, uh, more than 300, 500 injured. My biggest fear was this is just a tidal wave that's forming at, right, right now. It's literally like like these two kids who are just saying, "Oh, I can do. Uh, uh, oh, you did this. I'm gonna do this to you. I'm gonna. You did this. I'm gonna do this to you." But this is on. That's a very very simple way of looking at it. But it's a very it's a very Im- immature actions which are just or immature actions which are having huge 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 consequences which are unbelievably scary. If though that in fact is true, if this is uh, retaliation. Uh, for the Christchurch uh, shootings. Right. Uh, so and that- yeah, and like, obviously, I mean, if you just take those three incidents that you just mentioned, they are like exponentially growing in scale. Yeah. Like, you know, those are those are some, you know, it would be like five times as big and then three times as big. But it's it's scary that it's it's kind of like if you are trying, if there is that feeling of vengeance or motivation of vengeance, it's obviously, um, it grows exponentially every time. Mm -hmm. 
And I think what's really scary is that because the world is so connected and really, you know, dangerous uh, materials and weapons are in the hands of all sorts of people, is that like, it's not, there isn't any like geographic boundaries to this stuff. I mean, I guess whatever, New Zealand and Sri Lanka are like relatively close, but but not really. But not really. And then like Canada is obviously super far from both of those countries. Mm-hmm. So it's not even a geograph. It's not even like isolated geographically. Mm-hmm. Everyone has access to the same news stories. And unfortunately, people seem to also have access to essentially like war grade. Yeah. Uh, military, military, military um, grade. Weapons. Uh, yeah. Lots of harm um, causing. So I think materials. I think I guess my question is and this is this is the case. This happens a lot. Like I grew up. When I was growing up, it was, there was, there was well, I mean, all sorts of wars going on, but um, like the Iraq war was still happening or it kind of was starting. And one of the things I always remember and I still kind of think about is that when you are a outsider, either culturally or you're geographically distanced, you are to some degree relying on the media and now social media to give you the news and to give you the, I guess, the feelings that are that people are going through, um, give you a taste, I guess, of that. Would you say that the way that it was um, treated by the media here reflected how people were feeling? How did the ethnic, uh, religious divides, linguistic divides in Sri Lanka manifest when you were growing up? Basically, it's like, is because, you know, and Iraq, one of the things, and even in Syria, one of the things that the media always plays up is like, oh my God, Shia versus Sunni. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like, how much of that was really happening? How much of that is that people's analysis of it? So what would you say kind of in regards to that? So I will start in terms of what the, the ethnic and religious and cultural climate that I know in Sri Lanka. I never really grew up in Sri Lanka. Right. I grew up in Thailand, but I always I visited Sri Lanka every year from from. Early on, obviously, there was, for those of you who may not know, uh, before this happened, Sri Lanka was in a civil war like 15 years ago. I can't, I can't remember the, but a civil war that was la- that lasted a very, very long time and it just ended quite recently in history. And after that civil war, uh, so during that, during the civil war time, it was between um, the, the LTT, the, 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 the Tamil Tigers versus Sri Lanka, which is basically Sinhalese versus the Tamils, uh, which are the two, uh, I guess, two quite large ethnic groups in Sri Lanka. And uh, that was a civil war that was fought for a long, long time. So just 1983 to 2009. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know that by heart. Yeah. <laughs> Googled it. Um, and during that time, every time I'd go on a holiday, a street that was very familiar to us, one would have shrapnel in it, a sh- shrapnel in it, and this is a very common sight for every. This every, is during every, the civil this war. This is during the civil right. war. So, like, even like going to Sri Lanka, I never really it never hit me back then. But thinking about about it back like now, I'm just like, wow, that, that we were in a civil war. Right. It was dangerous. Like buses were being blown up just here and there. Right. People traveling from city to city. And I, I remember thinking as a kid, I'm like, oh, what if what, what if that's the bus I'm gonna be on? Right. And th- so we were. Living in that atmosphere, we were not prepared, but we were aware. understood. We were aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. And then after the civil war finished, huge thing. Obviously, there's a controversy as to how it was ended uh, and whatnot. But we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, but in the end, it was basically Sri Lanka was at peace, and then obviously it, it had to grow, right? Because Sri Lanka was known uh, for uh, its beaches, towards tour- it was a tourist hub. 
uh, it had to grow again economically and uh, in the international context, it had to grow again uh, its ties socially. Sri Lankan passport is still blacklisted, uh, <laughs> oh. unfortunately. Right, uh, yeah. But it's because of uh, it's still an aftermath of the civil war, right? Uh, so the, it was growing, 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 and right until at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, Sri Lanka was announced as the number one tourist destination on multiple platforms. Right. For 2019. Right. Uh, economically, like people were anticipating. That, yeah, yeah, growth. We're like, okay, this is this is great. We had some religious uh, tension between so some uh, extremist Buddhists versus Muslims, but that was like a small little thing that erupted and then died and then sort of died down. Mm-hmm. And then it was going sort of smooth economically. We weren't doing that great, uh, but still, we were poised to be the number one tourist destination, 2019. Bunch of new investments in the actual city were built. That in Colombo. In Colombo. In, so the Shangri-La Hotel, which was yes. one of the places of bombings, that was a new multi-multi, multi, I think it's seven-star, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a I think it's right. hell is a seven-star hotel. Literally was built last year. Oh, really? It's new. Very, okay. very, or last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last year. If not very, very recently. And we're like, oh yeah, and then they're, they're making this whole port city right. uh, with shopping malls and what have you. So people were investing in Sri Lanka. And then, so one of the th- conversations that came out of this, all that's down the drain, back to square one. Right. For Sri Lanka. Right. Which really sucks mm-hmm. uh, as a Sri Lankan because you want your country to grow. Because this is going to be weird, but like, I've always felt like as a Sri Lankan, we're always, what's, what's, what's the saying? The underdog. Sort of, yeah, sort of the underdog, where we, yeah, we, we, we never got, we always pick the short straw sort of thing. Right, yeah, yeah, Sort yeah. of thing. yeah. And we're, we want we want to be short on the front, end of the stick. on the short end of the stick exactly <laughs> yeah we always give them the short not the short end of the stick and I just wanted to be I want Sri Lanka to be on top of their game for right. like you know for once <laughs> <laughs> in cricketing sense we had our, 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 our you know like sports all that right. all comes together but economically we were never at the at the forefront so I was like okay Sri Lanka's 2019 top tourist destination there's there's something going for us here right and with this as materialistic as this is gonna sound but this is this is true like you know that that was a major hit for for, for the country sure now if i bring it back to uh, religious and cultural tensions ethnic tensions obviously this is this is the biggest worry that that uh, came from the easter bombings and for uh, which which happened was what's gonna happen to the muslims in mm. the country because Sri Lanka, for those of you who don't know, it's basically almost, I'd say, majority, 80% Buddhist, about almost 10% Muslims, and then 6% Christian, Christianity or something like that make, makes up the rest, uh, Christianity, Hindus, uh, and what have you. So now the question is, what's going to happen to Muslims? Because when, like I said before, that when there was the tension between the extremist Buddhists and Muslims, where they were just persecuting the Muslims for no, for basically no reason, they started burning down shops, beating up people. The extremists, yeah, and Buddhist then it, and then so and these they were called BBS, the Buddha Balasena. Uh, they would burn down shops or what have you, property of Muslims, and then obviously people are going to retaliate. Right. Uh, so that that happened, and then that died down. But now with this, when this came up, a lot of my cousins wear hijab. A lot of my cousins and, and family members wear thobes, which are like traditional, like long, traditional like male, Muslim male, men's yeah, clothing. Ma- exactly. 
So it's like, what's going to happen to the Muslims? And not, not not necessarily just in the city, because in the city, you have a pretty good homogenous uh, group of... Uh, homogenous. Not homogenous. Like the opposite of homogenous. Heterogenous. Yeah. Sorry, like multicultural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a good melting pot. Yeah, but, but basically, it, 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 yeah, it's so a metropolitan And, and city. people are more educated there. Mm-hmm. So not just in the city, but outskirts, what's going to happen to Muslims. Right. And lo and behold, there were shops burned down here and right. there. But actually, the media didn't really cover that stuff. It was sort of, right, this of is course. stuff I'd, I heard from my family right. and from just, just specific Sri Lankan uh, news outlets. And to be honest, it hasn't blown up quite as much as I expected, which I'm kind of relieved about. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I noticed that too, even the coverage, like it took me a while to figure out yeah. that this was like a Muslim extremism. Yeah. Like it took me a while. Like it wasn't the, surprisingly, that wasn't the first thing the media was yeah. reporting. And I read one article that was talking about like, I think it was a Sri Lankan person who wrote it, who said like, I'm so, like they weren't Muslim, but they were like, I'm so scared of the Islamophobia that's going to come out, like the violent Islamophobia yeah. that's going to come out of this. And not just like on a state level, but from like just everyday people, you know, yeah, exactly. who like, like you said, take things into their own hand, which is Absolutely. so much scarier, harder to control, whatever. What was like, what was your, you, you said you, you went back in 2017. What would you say people were feeling like, or even in your conversations in the last and before this happened? Do people generally, is there like intermingling between Muslims and non-Muslims? Yeah, and so it, it was... What does it look like overall? You know, not not on a political level, but kind of on a social level. What's so, it like? Okay, so once again, it differs from the city to the outskirts. Right. But in general sense, it's it's pretty peaceful. Right. I, like one of the most iconic pictures I remember after this, after the bombings, was outside the the um, like Canada Blood Association, right? Uh, yes, the, the, blood the, bank. the blood bank. It's just a line of people, Muslim, Tamil, Hindu, right, whatever, whatever, what have you. Everybody just gathered there right. just to support people who are injured and who who who, right. who need. So that that was a very very good image of how uh, the community got together. And yeah, and how there was a lot like, of posts yeah. on social media as to I'm Muslim, I'm I'm Tamil, I'm Christian, I'm uh, what have I'm Buddhist, yeah. I'm Sri Lankan, right? Right, uh, and obviously that uh, that's <laughs> that's if it, I wish it was just all rosy like that, and that that that's how it, it was, but obviously not. I talked to some of my close friends, and they're like, "Man, I really hope your family is okay. I hope because they're and they're like my close Sri Lankan friends are very educated, right." And their circle are pretty educated as well, but the people in their circle are, are bashing Muslims right. as well. So that was the worry, right? If those people can get turned... The people that you used to kind exactly. of count on. Yeah. And, and like who you assume you hang out with them, you have sort of the same mentality. Right. If they turn, right. then people who are less educated, who are just basically following... Who have less contact with Muslims, less con- Exactly. Whatever, yeah. What are they going to think? Mm-hmm. So that, that was a scary bit, but... Three weeks on to today, honestly, I haven't heard much, which I'm very, very pleased about. I, I, it's still tense. I definitely say that. But I'd say it's calmed down a lot. I just don't know what the future holds for Sri Lanka and more so for the world, which I'm really worried about. I really, like I said, I'm a hopeful guy. And I know you think there's definitely going to be something else that's going to spill out of this, probably. I uh, I think that like when we discussed Christchurch... I think the kind of the least pessimistic way that I can say this is that, you know, when you read about when they like teach you about World War One mm-hmm. and they're like, these are the five reasons that World War One happened. And they list like growing nationalism, like 
people were, there was like conscription in every country. So there was like a strong army in every country. And then they shot Franz Ferdinand. Like, and then you kind of think when, at least when I was learning about World War One and even later World War Two, I was like, wow, like this, it took so much for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, all these things had to converge. And you think like, oh, they happen within days. But like, obviously they didn't happen mm-hmm. within days. Like now that I'm a bit older, like I was learning about this when I was like 14, right? So it was, I didn't really have like the abstract like thinking. Ago. Okay. I'll have you know I'm 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have the abstract thinking to realize like that had obviously been going on for at least a, probably a decade before. And so I guess what I'm always scared about and I'm always thinking like in 20, 50 years, when my kids or when kids are going to be learning about uh, in school about this kind of stuff, I feel that this is the time in history they're going to identify as like, things got bad, mm-hmm. you know? And I know by many objective standards, like things are not horrible, mm-hmm. uh, just objectively and in terms of like proportionate number of people who are being killed by wars, it's less. But that's also like less than... 100 years ago when we mm-hmm. had two big world wars yeah. and then less than whatever 500 years ago when every single city in Europe was every single nation state was fighting every single nation state so obviously it's like relative to that kind of violence but i mean i think the difference now is that it's more isolated not isolated events but more specific events rather than what huge war right the world. yeah just and and specific. because of how interconnected everyone is and exactly. how much access to information and access to to weapons all sorts of people have, not just the state or not just sort of, right? So I think that that is kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about how when people invented all these, like when people invented the internet and when they invented Twitter and when they invented all these things, I don't think anyone could have realized Mm -hmm. how much of a role, because this is like, I'm not one of those people who's like, this is because of Facebook, right? I'm not that person. But I can recognize that our ability to learn about things quickly as they happen and how they happen, right? Like you have someone like the Christchurch shooter who like live streamed uh, his his violence. So everyone is a, like, everybody knows how that kind of stuff happened in a way that I guess is unprecedented. So I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I am <laughs> in this regard. And that's that, like you said, it seems that things the distance between these mass tragedies seems to be getting shorter. Yeah. And they keep, they seem to be getting worse. And then, of course, what I think happens is that you end up with, like, they become like wedge, they throw a wedge in things more than maybe you originally would have. Maybe things are kind of, like, already hanging on by a thread. But when you kind of, like, you're just, like, inflaming that division or a a division that was like originally superficial or that was originally really over easily overcome becomes like well you know what that group of people murdered my family right Mm -hmm. and so then that's far more difficult to overcome or to see past like no it was one group of people whatever that's what I guess is scary for me as a complete outsider as someone who's you know And also, because of that kind of widespread uh, knowledge and um, information, it also means that, like, the Islamophobic retaliation within Sri Lanka isn't just in Sri Lanka. It's like you have everyone all over the world being like, well, did you see how these people, you know, who, who claim to be Islamic extremists have 
caused such violence and, and destruction and harm. And so that's the thing is that you, you actually end up with, and we saw that, we saw that like all over Europe, you know, for a year and a half for two years, sorry, for, you know, two years, we were, um, every few weeks, every few months, you'd hear, oh, Paris, Belgium, uh, London, you'd hear these, these, these things. And then a few days later, ISIS would, would, would take, um, responsibility and or would claim them and that was like I remember why I mean I was in like early university when that stuff was happening and it was really scary to be watching it and that same sentiment of like please don't be Muslim please and it was Mm -hmm. without a doubt Mm -hmm. always a Muslim or someone with a Muslim name or someone with and we felt that Islamophobia Islamophobia rise and we and every day the kind of news you'd wake up and the Globe and Mail was running some sort of like (laughs) vaguely Islamophobic headline no hate just to the Globe and Mail. It was all the media. But, you know, and that's the thing. And I remember just, it was constant attacks, either word-wise or like, you know, and we see this in the hate hate crime statistics that Muslims are increasingly more targeted and the scale and type of the hate crimes mm-hmm. is uh, higher. So let's say before it might have been a word here or there, and now it's physical violence, you know, rip someone's hijab off, cause other sort of bodily harm. So... What's scary is that this is the scale of it and then that you feel the repercussions all over the world. You know, even if it's someone like me who's never been to Sri Lanka, I don't know. I'm not in that context. Mm -hmm. That's not my area, but it will still affect Muslims everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I think that's I think that's where kind of my pessimism comes in. Which is completely fair. And how, how, I guess this would be my last question, is that do you think people are rebuilding? Do you think people, not just, you know, not just the buildings, but I mean, do, do you see that? What, yeah, what do you see? What, what do you think is, um, what, do you, what are you hearing from people? Well, like I said, I haven't heard much, which is for me in the, in the face of how media is these days, if you haven't heard much, it's usually probably a good thing because usually what you hear is always going to be negative. So I haven't really heard much from my from my family members or anybody there, other than the first initial here. There's a person being beat up here. There was a store being burnt down there or being ravaged here and there. Uh, other than that, I really haven't heard much. So in my good faith, I believe the country is rebuilding. I don't know what direction it's going to go into. Uh, another thing I suppose worth mentioning is the fact that our government actually received intelligence about this. Yes. And because there was a divide within the government, nothing was, I suppose, this, this is a very, this is putting it very short, nothing was really looked at very carefully, which is very, very unfortunate. Yeah, that and was a very devastating piece of news, right? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, essentially, like, the government had some sufficient information that led them to believe that something like this would happen. And that's how it basically, I, I, well, because right after the bombings, they raided the headquarters, if you will, oh, okay. of, of these, of uh, of the bombers. And that's where another, bo- like this, I guess, I think it was a lady who who blew herself up there, okay. right, right at the headquarters, right. or like during the raids. Uh, but after which, I, there's, there, there's been a, several other attempts, which have been like uh, bombs, which have been diffused. That was like a couple of weeks back. But yeah, so it was, it's a huge wake. I think it was a huge wake up call for Sri Lankans because everybody knew that the the, the current state of things, it was not really like, like other than, it, yeah, sure, it was the number one tourist destination, what have you. There's a lot of investment in Sri Lanka. The actual government situation was sort of just like a, 
are you serious sort of thing? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. what's happening here? Right. <laughs> and this really brought Sri Lankans to step up and speak out against the government. Right. I know there's a, a, a main media source in Sri Lanka, which basically came on flat, made a video that we need somebody to step up in government uh, so this doesn't right now. Again. So this doesn't right. happen again. In general, like what, what, what we've been seeing as Sri Lankans is our country being sold out, is, is basically a, a sellout at this <laughs> point. And right. literally, no, uh, uh, no, literally a sellout. Yeah, uh, we need to do some, some, something about this to get our country back. Right. So, uh, from a positive standpoint, if 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 you can find one, obviously I'm I'm one to do that. Is this is uh, once again rebuilding is something that's inevitable and it has to be done. So at least we get a chance to do it, and if we can, if Sri Lanka can do, do it in the right way, then hopefully we can build towards good. On the other hand, in, in the global context, it's just sort of a wait and see game, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So uh, I suppose we'll wait and see. Well, thanks for your insight, Bured. I think that it's really special and nice to have uh, insight for someone who has connections there, who's been there, and who's not just some ivory tower pundit. So thank you for letting me interview you. You're welcome. Yeah, you can find all of our previous episodes on whpod.com that's whpod.com and you can find us all on social media where you can connect with us and tell us what you think what platforms do we have Kureida? we have the facebook instagram twitter that's and right the, the, and we're the, the, at whpod at all of those platforms thank you for joining us for another episode of the watering hole and we'll see you next time bye, bye.